0: We want to welcome all of you to our services here at Grace Church at Franklin. We are located at 4052 Arno Road here in Franklin, Tennessee. And if you are visiting the Franklin, Tennessee area or the Nashville, Tennessee area, we'd love to have you come and worship with us. You may watch these services on YouTube, Ustream, and also Sermon Audio, which is Sermon Audio Video. We have a lot of people who are ill today who have been sick. Uh, Nelson and Linda are traveling. Betty Heathcock and her granddaughter Kennedy are ill. Joe Turner and his uh, family. I don't know for sure if Linda is sick, but I know that Joe is. So we want to pray for those who may still be traveling And for those who may be ill, but I'm glad to see all of you who are here. And there are more who are coming. The Bible tells us in Psalm 48, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, in the city of our God, and in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth, is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great King? We've come here today to praise the Lord, who loved us and gave Himself for us. Brother Joshua Watts is going to lead us. All right.
1: Good morning, everybody. Hope you all had a wonderful time yesterday number 93 in your hymnal. Hark the herald angels sing. If y'all would stand, stand with me. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners Nations rise, join the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts. Proclaim: Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Christ by high. the everlasting Lord. made in time, behold Him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail
2: morning. Welcome to the services of Grace Church at Franklin today. We'd like to say a special welcome to any first-time visitors that we have here with us. And if you did not get an opportunity to sign the register located in the foyer as you enter today, we ask that you might do so as you depart just so that we might have a record. <clears throat> we will take a time uh, here every Sunday morning to just mention a few prayer requests and ask that as the Lord calls them to your mind this week that you would lift them up. As our pastor mentioned, uh, Nelson and Linda are traveling. We want to continue to remember them. Uh, Also for Joe and Linda, who are both ill at home, let's remember them before the Lord. Uh, While there are many others uh, not here present with us today, we are blessed that uh, Wally and Mary Haddon are here with us today. Let's give the Lord praise. We're also blessed to have Calvin and Judy here with us today, and we thank the Lord for them. And uh, continue to remember them before the Lord. We did receive word this morning that Tabitha wants to thank the church uh, for your prayers on behalf of her husband, Greg. He did have successful gallbladder surgery and was able to finally go back to work this past Monday, so we're thankful for that. She asked your continued prayers on behalf of her grandson, Vinny. As you know, Vinny has autism, so he's not able to communicate his needs very well, and he's been suffering from a double ear infection, uh, but he also, because of his autism, won't take medication, so it's been extremely difficult for them to meet his needs, and and to watch him suffer. So let's continue to remember Vinnie on behalf of the Lord. We also want to continue to remember Carolyn Batt, who has asked prayer. She's uh, had several mini strokes and her kidneys are not functioning properly. We want to remember her before the Lord. Also, we want to remember my uncle, who is diagnosed with uh, cancer in his pelvic area that's kind of taken over, so let's remember him. Also, Joe and Beth continue to ask prayers on behalf of their niece, Laura Jackson. Continue to remember Pat Jackson, Carl and Ruby Perry and Shirley Murphy. I don't see Shirley here again today. Let's lift her up before the Lord. Also for Evelyn Carrico's sister, Betty, who was having some health issues. Howie Smith was here last week. We were glad to see him and continue to remember him as he serves in the military. And we do want to remind you that normally church here starts at 1045 with our song and singing. We normally have Sunday school that starts at 10 a.m., but next week we will not have Sunday school once again, so just meet here at 1045. We will be observing the Lord's Supper during our 1045 service, so please come and join us for that. And also, just a reminder, we will not have our monthly fellowship dinner uh, next week, but we will resume in February. So let's ask the Lord also to bless our pastor as he delivers the word today. Thank you.
1: Well, we didn't get around to singing this one either this year, so I thought we'd do Go It on the Mountain. Huh? <laughs> Can you all stand up again with me? Stand? We may only have time for this song, but why not stand for it? <laughs> Can you clap your hands with me? Go, tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go, tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching for silent flocks by night. Behold, throughout the heavens they're shown. Christ is born, the shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angel chorus. Jesus Christ is born, that Jesus Christ is born, that Jesus Christ is born, (laughs) amen. That's good, isn't it? Y'all want to sing a line or two of this one other one I had? That Beautiful Name, number 105 in your hymn. If you don't know it, you might want to look at the music. That Beautiful Name. This is one of those Christmas hymns that I love also. It's really pretty. I don't hear it very often, though. 1865, it looks like it was written. Well, wait a minute. The guy who wrote it was born in 1865, so it's probably written sometime in the 1800s. I know of a name, a beautiful name that angels brought down to earth. They whispered it low, A night long ago To a maiden of lowly birth That beautiful name That beautiful name From sin has power to free us That beautiful name That wonderful name That matchless name Is Jesus Verse 2 I know of a name A beautiful name that unto a babe was given The stars glittered bright throughout that glad night And angels praised God in heaven That beautiful name, that beautiful name From sin has power to free us That beautiful name, that wonderful name That matchless name is Jesus. Verse 4. I love that blessed name, that wonderful name, made higher than all in heaven. T'was whispered, I know, in my heart long ago, to Jesus my life I've given. That beautiful name, that beautiful name. From sin has power to free us That beautiful name, that wonderful name That matchless name is Jesus Amen How about that? What a matchless name, isn't he? Okay, y'all. Love to all of you. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. If I don't see you, I think I'll see you, right? When is New Year's? On Saturday? So we'll see you next week. You all can be seated, I believe, unless Brother Bill would have you stand. I'm sorry, you might have to stand back up.
0: We're so glad to see all of you today. I know that... Uh, Many of you are worn out, but I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you found the the energy and the desire to come and worship today. It might be the same uh, next week. You got a whole week a week out of you of activity. I'm gonna let you remain seated, but we're, this is really a stand-up song. It's called "Let's Go to Bethlehem." Do we have the lyrics up there? How many of you may have heard this song? You probably. Some of you have. Okay. Ready? Because like,
3: I let's go to Bethlehem. 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 Let let's go to. Bethlehem. Let's go to, Bethlehem. Let's, let's go to Let's go, let's go to Bethlehem, let's go to Bethlehem. There's a baby down in Bethlehem, just a baby. But I know it's him, the Messiah, born in Bethlehem. Let's go to Bethlehem. Prophets, part to Bethlehem, the Messiah born in Bethlehem. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go, let's go to Bethlehem. Let let's, let's, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go to Bethlehem. let us go to bethlehem let us go let us go to bethlehem let us go to bethlehem let Let's go to Bethlehem, let's go to Bethlehem, let's go to Bethlehem.
0: Good, you've remembered most of it. I needed to have some refrain on that, it takes your breath away, let's go, let's go, both of it, so I need to have you guys doing that. If you'll open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, and if you'd like to stand together with me. I want to say, first of all, it's so good to see all of you today. I said last week, there'll be so many people involved in celebrating what is called the birthday of the Lord Jesus, that they'll forget to come and worship the Lord Jesus. (laughs) And that's the way we are today in our churches, I'm afraid. We're so busy doing things, we miss Him. Very much like the man in John chapter 5, by the five pools of Bethesda, been waiting for 38 years uh, for an angel to touch the water so he could get in, and while he was looking in the water been waiting for 38 years guess who was walking right over him had to step over him the Lord Jesus Christ (laughs) he missed Christ while looking for some superstitious angel in the water let's not get carried away with all of the things about the season and miss him let's let's ask the Lord's blessings now as we do before we open his word Father Father
3: I stretch my hand to Thee. No other I know. If I withdraw myself from.
0: If you have your Bibles today, let me tell you in advance that we're going to bounce back between Matthew 1 and Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. So you might find both of those books, Matthew chapter 1 and Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. The subject today is a biblical survey of the amazing birth of the Messiah. We'll begin in Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, was like this. When as his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. In other words, Joseph did not believe that Mary had been uh, impregnated by the Spirit of God. He thought that she had been unfaithful. He did not believe her. And so while he thought about how to put her away, verse 20, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word and let God's people say, praise the Lord. And you may be seated. You know, I'm very... Jealous at this time of the year. Not jealous over anyone in my family or jealous of my wife or jealous of my friends, but I hope that I'm jealous for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm jealous for Him, and I was thinking just in the last day or two in heaven, who's going to get all the attention? You think people will be lined up in heaven, and, and they'll say, well, we want to thank uh, the prophet Isaiah here. We want to thank Jeremiah. We want to thank Ezekiel and Daniel. We, no, I think all of the glory in heaven will be our Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to get all of the attention. He's going to be on the throne. And according to the Bible, on his thigh will be written... Lord of lords and kings of kings. Well, So I say, if he gets all the attention in heaven, why don't we begin to give him all the attention here? Why wait until we get to heaven? It's like a friend of mine who went to a meeting in a church. And uh, he said, as I was going in the church building, I heard a bunch of singing across the street. And I turned and I said, what's going on over there? And he said, someone said to me, oh, this is is their praise night. They are over there praising the Lord. And he said, we'll be doing that this Sunday. And my friend said, why wait till Sunday? Why wait till Sunday to praise the Lord? Why can't we praise him on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday and Saturday? Why can't we praise him all week? Why can't we praise him every morning when we get up? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Lord, that I'm able to stand up and get out of my bed. Thank you, Lord, that I know what my name is. Thank you, I know how to make my way to the kitchen and to the den. Thank you, Lord, for the house that I have and the home that I have. Thank you, Lord, for the roof over my head, and thank you that I am not dead in trespasses and sins. Why can't we begin to praise him now? And if we're going to praise him now, why can't we give him all the attention now? So I'm jealous, and I hope that I'm jealous for the right reason. I'm sure that while I'm in this world, I won't be able to get all of the flesh out of it, but I'm certainly wanting to get it all out, and what a relief it'll be when at last, when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now many people would say that this is the happiest time of the year. In fact, there's a popular holiday song which says exactly that. It's the most wonderful time of the year with the kids jingle belling and everyone's telling you, be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. But why is everybody so happy? Why are they so cheerful? Are they happy because a Savior has been born? Are they happy because for those who believe sin has been put away? Well, not according to the song. It's the most wonderful time of the year because there'll be parties for hosting Marshmallows for toasting and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories. I never associated that with Christmas. (laughs) There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. Now, I must admit that folks do seem to be in a good humor during the month of December, and that's a good thing but I say I am jealous, and I hope I'm jealous for the Lord Jesus Christ. More and more, it seems to me, and I have now lived over a quarter of a century, over three-quarters of a century, I should say, over three-quarters of a century. I've lived long enough to, to know and to observe. It seems to me that as I get older, more and more, the name and the, the glory uh, of Christ our Lord is suppressed or simply made one of the reasons for the seasons. Of all the so-called holiday specials on television, not one of them that I saw made our Lord the only reason for the happiness Sad to say, there are more drunken parties during the month of December than in any other time of the year, and that's no surprise to the writers of Scripture. In Isaiah 69:12, the prophet says that the Lord will be the song of drunkards. December sets more folks up for heart attacks than any other month. Well, I'm happy. And I'm happy because I have a Savior, and I'm happy because He was born to die for me, to put all my sins away. I'm happy because He called me to Himself. I'm happy because He now rules and reigns. I'm happy this morning. Now, I am not altogether, at least, a Scrooge. I don't mind the happiness, I like laughter, I like joy. I like all of the things that we are seeing in the month of December. I'm just saying I wish they were all connected to our Lord Jesus Christ. I wish that we had a little bit of heaven on the way to heaven. If he's going to be the centerpiece in heaven, if he's going to get all the glory in heaven, why don't we give him all the glory now? So, what I want to do this morning is very simply using the Gospels of Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2, and the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, and show you something about the amazing birth of our Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. First, let's read Matthew chapter 1. Look again at verses 18 through 23. There we are told, basically, in a nutshell, that the Messiah, number one, must not partake of the sin of Adam. That is, His coming made the virgin birth necessary. If you'll notice here, it says that this was done, verse 22, all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, A virgin shall conceive, shall bring forth the Son. They'll call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That's a quote from Isaiah chapter 7 in verse 14. And the Hebrew word that is used there in Isaiah 7:14 is the word Alma, which means a virgin. A virgin will conceive. Now, why must the Messiah be virgin born? Why must he be virgin born? The answer is found in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. I'll quote it to you. They might put it up on the screen. I'm not sure, but this is what it says. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. In other words, sin came into the world through one man, and the sin of that one man, Adam, brought death with it, and as a result, death has infected the entire human race. And the proof of that Right at the end of that Romans 5.12, it says, "...so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned." The proof of it is that we have all sinned. As Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 7.20, "...there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good, and sinneth not, with one exception, the Savior, our Messiah, Jesus." Had Jesus been born the son of Joseph or any other man, he would himself have been a sinner. So in order for Jesus to be the Messiah, to be the Savior of sinners, he must be born without sin. So he was virgin born. It would amaze you probably if I told you statistically how many people today in churches And even more so in in the ministry who deny and doubt at least the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to know that the first point I've made is this. If he's not virgin born, he can't save you because he is a sinner also. And one sinner can't save another. The second point is this. The only way one can be born, a man and yet not partake of the sin of man, is if one is sired by God. And this is what the virgin birth is. The one born of Mary will be God's son. The prophet said in Isaiah 7, 14, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Now you'll notice here in Matthew chapter 1, notice It is in verse 18, I believe, it says that when Mary found herself to be pregnant, notice it says she was found with child of the Holy, some of you are going to have Holy Ghost. Now the the Koine Greek, K-O-I-N-E, which means common, the common Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, there is no word for ghost. The word is pneuma. It is the word for spirit. And when the translators translated it, they were divided up into groups, and one group translated it ghost, and the other group translated it spirit. But the word is pneuma, which is the word for spirit. Now notice this. This is the point that I'm making, verse 18. It was the Holy Spirit who produced this child in the womb of Mary. She was found with child of or by the Holy Spirit. Now, a virgin is one who has not been sexually intimate. And, of course, it is impossible for a woman to be with child without sexual intimacy. Because Mary was found with child of the Holy Spirit, that means that she carried the Son of God. Okay? Point number three. The Messiah must be named Jehovah is salvation. That must be his name. He can't be named Joseph or Nathaniel or Peter or Matthew. He has to be named Jehovah is salvation. Now you'll notice that when the messenger from heaven appeared to Joseph because he was having doubts, In fact, he had flatly, flatly denied Mary's story. It goes like this. I remember years ago, I brought a whole series of studies on this, and I pictured Joseph and Mary. You can't get a more common name of a couple than Joe and Mary. (laughs) Joe and Mary. And so Joe and Mary uh, were going to get married. They were espoused. Uh, Here we talk about an engagement period. There were some differences. One big difference was when you were espoused to someone, you were considered married under law, though you had not officially gone through the marriage ceremony, and you did not live usually with your husband or your wife under one roof. You still lived with your parents for up to a year or even more. So they were espoused. They were considered to be promised to each other they were considered to be married under God and so she calls him one day let's pretend they had a telephone and she said Joe I've got to talk to you about something that's rather serious and you can imagine he said what in the world what could be we're looking forward to the wedding here this June or whenever they were planning it and so she picks a time when she and Joe can be alone, and she sits down with him, and she says, I have something to share with you. Or, well, what is it, Mary? Well, I'm pregnant. You're what? I'm pregnant. I am with child. Mary, how, how could that be? I thought you loved me. I do love you. But how could you be pregnant? Well, the Holy Spirit has come upon me. Oh come on, Mary! I didn't think of something better than that. No, the Holy Spirit has come upon me. I had a visit from an angelic creature, a messenger from God, who came to me and said to me that all of the promises since Genesis three fifteen, Genesis three fifteen, is called the Proto Evangelium, and from the Latin, and that just simply means it's the first promise. Of the gospel it's the first mention of the good news of the gospel, Genesis three and verse 15. And the angel told me that all of those promises from Genesis 3:15, down through the prophets, down through all the ritual and the ceremony that all pro- pointed to this Messiah, the Savior, that all of this is going to be fulfilled in this child that is in my womb that I'm going to be the person who will bring, give birth to the Messiah. But Joseph did not believe a word of it. But he was a tender-hearted man, and he didn't want to make her a public example. You see, what they did, if they found that a woman had been unfaithful, if she was proven to be unfaithful, they had a public stoning of that woman. They publicly stoned her to death. So you notice here in verse 19, Joseph, her husband, see he's called her husband even though they're not living together, being a just man. He was a just man. He was a man who adhered to the law. He did the right thing. But he was not willing to make her a public example. And so he came up with the scheme, I will put her away privately. That's what it says in verse 19, I will let Mary go away and give birth to the baby, and I'll go away, and we will forget that we've ever known each other, and we will not come back together as husband and wife, and that will be the end of it. That's what he was going to do. And I've often said that only a fool or a Christian will believe the Word of God. You wouldn't believe it if you were engaged to somebody and they told you that they were with child by the Holy Spirit. Joseph did not believe it, but while he thought on these things, it says in verse 20, the angel of the Lord came to him. The same angel that had come from, uh, to Mary and said, Joseph, Mary told you the truth. Don't be afraid to take her for your wife because truly that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She is carrying the Son of God. It is God who has sired this child in the womb of Mary. An amazing, amazing thing. And so he said to Joseph, uh, when you name him, she's going to have a son, verse 21. When you name him, you must be careful to give him this name Jehovah is salvation, which is what the name Jesus means. I have told you before that Joshua and Jesus are the same names. <clears throat> In the book of Hebrews, uh, <clears throat> the Lord. Uh, uh, Joshua, rather, is called Jesus in the book of Hebrews. There's no difference between Jesus and Joshua. You could call him Joshua, Yehoshua, Yahashua. His name here is Eesus. Eesus is Jesus, which means Jehovah is salvation. So the Messiah must be named Jehovah is salvation. This angel that had appeared to Joseph Gave the babe the name Jesus, or Jehovah is salvation, before he was born. Now about two years after Jesus was born, if you look at Matthew chapter 2 now, about two years after Jesus was born, there came wise men from the east, seeking to worship one born king. King Herod heard all about it. You go down to verse 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. Why was he troubled? Because Herod was a very mean man. He murdered many people in his own family to protect his own throne and power. He didn't want anybody starting a coup. He didn't want anybody figuring a way to get him out and getting themselves in to be Uh, the king in that vicinity. And so when he heard about it, that there was someone born king, he was troubled, and it says, and all Jerusalem was troubled with him. And so you'll notice he called in the Jewish scholars. He called the scholars, the people who were the theologians. And he said to them, verse 4, he gathered the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, And he demanded of them where the Messiah should be born according to the Scripture, according to the Scripture. Where was he to be born? Now you'll note, you'll note now, I know some of you are saying, well, now Brother Sassler just said that it was about two years later when these wise men came. It's unfortunate that these things are not kind of, we don't have a kind of a notation to tell us this because we get the story of the birth of our Savior mixed up. But you'll notice, for example, let me just show you a couple of things that you can notice. Chapter 2, verse 4, when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he demanded of them where the Christ should be born, where the Messiah should be born. And they said, oh, well, it says over in the little book of Micah. Chapter 5 and verse 2, it's in Bethlehem of Judea. For it's written there by the prophet, Thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah. Now there were several Bethlehems, so the Holy Spirit inspires Matthew to identify which Bethlehem they're talking about. It's Bethlehem of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor, we're told in Isaiah 9, 6, he's the governor of the entire universe, shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Now, when Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, he had a second meeting with the wise men in private, and he said, listen, go and find that young king, verse 8, Search diligently for him. Spare nothing. He might have even given him some extra funds and say, look, stay at the best hotels and just do whatever you need to do to find that young child. And when you find him, bring me the word about where he is that I can come and worship him also. And, of course, he was the big fat liar. He was being inspired by the devil who, from the of Genesis 3:15 had tried to figure out when, where and who the Messiah was. That's the cause of the death of, uh, of Cain killing his brother Abel. They thought that uh, Cain or Abel, they thought that Abel might be the Messiah. And uh, Cain was inspired, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, by the devil, to kill his brother. And you come all the way down through history, you have all of those murders when Moses was born, they killed a bunch of uh, infants and babies, the Pharaoh did. And so when we come down to this point in history, Herod is going to do the same thing. So verse 9, When they had heard the king, they departed. And then the star that they had seen in the east reappeared, went before them, and came and stood over where the young child was. Now, notice first of all in verse 9 that by this time he is a young child. He is not a baby. He is not a newborn. He is a babe. When they saw the star, verse 10, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, and when they will come into the what? into the house, not into the manger. When they came into the house, they saw the young child with his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him, and then they opened their treasures, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All three of those have a message about the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, the death of Christ right here in his young life. Already God is providentially directing us toward his death. So you notice here that it says he was a young child in verse 9 and in verse 11, and that it says that they came into a house. They did not come into the manger because this is some two years or so later. Now how do we know this around two years later? Because it says here, That the Lord warned them, verse 12, that they should not return to Herod, and they departed into their own country, and they went by a different route than they had come. And then it says, we go down a little bit further to verse 16, we'll come back to these other verses in a moment, verse 16, Herod when he saw that he was mocked at the wise men, he saw that they didn't follow his instructions, they didn't come back to him and tell him where the young child was, he sent and killed and murdered, slew, all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof from two years old and under, notice now, according to the time when he had diligently inquired of the wise men. You see, he was very specific when he said, when exactly, what day was it, what month was it when you saw this star? And so he figured he couldn't be over two years old So he's going to slay every child, every male child in that area from two years old and down. So when we pick up Matthew chapter 2 in the wise man, it's a couple of years later. It's two years later that they're coming. And they go and find a babe and they go into a house and not into a manger. Now if you will, I told you we were going to be going back and forth. You'll go over to Luke chapter 2 for just a moment. So the Messiah must be named Jehovah is salvation, and he was named Jesus. So now we go to Luke chapter 2. Now, where does the Messiah have to be born? Well, they consulted Micah, thou Bethlehem ethratah, which means the smallest of all, though thou be the small, Ones among the nations, yet out of these shall he come. Who's going to rule my people Israel? He's going to be the governor. He, he must be born in Bethlehem. Okay? He has to be born in Bethlehem. But now listen, Joseph lived in Galilee. <laughs> but the Messiah, who is the bread of heaven, the bread of heaven, must be born in the house of bread. That's what Bethlehem means. Beth, house, Lahem means bread. He must be born in the house of bread. (laughs) He who is the bread of heaven must be born in the house of bread. How can we get him from Galilee to Bethlehem? How in the world is he going to be when Joseph and Mary are living in Galilee, but he has to be born in Bethlehem. Well, let me tell you this, humanly speaking, they almost, humanly speaking, they almost waited too late to get started, because Mary was right at the point of giving birth. Now, Joshua and Reagan know something about that. They just had their third, their third child. And you, you wonder, it's going to come this week, going to come that week. And you have these false uh, pains and you have all of these things, false labor pains they call. Probably not false to the one who's having them. <laughs> but what they I mean by that is the baby isn't coming right now. So they almost waited too late. So God, God moves Caesar Augustus. Luke chapter 2, it came to pass in those days that they went out a decree from the Caesar, Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. Now, I want to point this out to you, and you can do some research on your own. This was only a declaration for the tax, it wasn't the collecting of the tax, that was made later, but it's saying I want everybody to line up and get in line and get to your own city so that you'll be ready for the tax when it comes so we can account for you and for your family. And so verse 3, all went to be registered. Now some of you might even have that translation in verse 3. The King James version says they all went to be taxed, but they weren't taxed. They were just registered to be taxed. And Joseph, verse 4, went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth. And he goes into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. And he had to go there because he was of the house and the lineage, the family, the descent of David. So what happens is you have to return to where your family emanated and you have to register there so you will be on record when it's time for the (laughs) tax. So how in the world is Jesus going to be born in Bethlehem when Joseph and Mary live in Galilee? You see how? Now listen to me. This ought to be a great lesson for us. It's easy for me to say this. It's easy for you to hear it. It's more difficult to remember it in real life. And this is a great lesson for us. All the kings, all the presidents, all the dictators, all the parliaments, and all the governments are under the sovereign authority of the God of heaven, and he moves them as he pleases. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 1, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. (laughs) God is in charge. He's in charge. It might look like sometimes that nobody's in charge. Believe me, he is in charge. And so his son is going to fulfill all of these passages of Scripture, so there'll be no doubt that this one child born is the promised Messiah. He's going to get him to Bethlehem if he has to move the whole world to get him there. And that's what he did. It says that the whole world was to be taxed. Well, Rome was a pretty large area there, Rome controlled lots of things, and So it's like the whole world is going, but he's going to get his son to Bethlehem and is going to get him there in time. And I want you to remember that the present administration here in our country is no less under the hand of our Lord than was the administration of King Herod and Caesar Augustus. And as always, the will of the Lord of heaven will be done in the earth in spite of the plots and the plans of men and governments. Certainly Caesar Augustus, a man who knew nothing of the God of Abraham, nor of his promises, nor of his Messiah, he called for a tax. And as I say, this was not to pay the tax itself, but to register according to the lineage, according to the tribe, according to the family. So this necessitated Joseph going to Bethlehem, Because, as we just read, in the first three verses, he was part of the house of David or the family of David. Now, when was Jesus born? What time of the year would this have been? Would it have been in the dead of winter or in the spring? Well, let me ask you this question. When does our government tax us? They tax you in the spring, in April. Isn't that right? What is it? April the 15th? Is that it? Last year they moved it a little bit because of the coronavirus. Now listen to me. You can research this yourself. The date of December the 25th was established in 336 A.D., 336 A.D., by the Roman Catholic Church in association with pagan traditions celebrating the winter, the winter solstice. Jesus never celebrated his birthday. The disciples never celebrated his birthday. There is no command or even a suggestion that his birthday should be celebrated. But I will say these two things about this. Number one, the thought of a babe always conjures up emotional tenderness, but it does something that's not good. It lures our thoughts away from suffering. Especially the suffering by which we are redeemed. We are not redeemed by the birth of Christ, but we are redeemed by the sufferings and the death of Christ. And His birth was the divine means of the purpose of His coming, which was His death. The second thing I would say is only twice, once or twice in the Bible, is any birthday mentioned in the scriptures. They are both associated with evil and wicked men. In Psalm 40, Pharaoh executed the baker on his birthday. And on his birthday, Herod beheaded the greatest man born of woman, John the Baptist, on his birthday. And as we shall see momentarily, we should tell others that a Savior has been born, but we are not told to celebrate His birthday. After the wise men left, being warned of God not to return to Herod, let's go back to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, we'll come back to Luke here in a moment. After they left, being warned of God not to return to Herod, the Lord again spoke to Joseph. He spoke to him before when he said, Don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. Now he speaks to him again in Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. The wise men were warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, and they departed into their country another way. Watch this now, verse 13. And when they were gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek to destroy the young child. Now why must Joseph go to Egypt? He must go to Egypt for two reasons. One we just read, he must go to Egypt to escape the wrath of Herod. But he must also go to Egypt to fulfill a prophecy about the Messiah. Watch it now. Verse 14. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and he departed into Egypt. And he was there until the death of Herod. Watch it now, that it might be fulfilled. Here's the fulfilling of a prophecy. Which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. You see, my friends, the people who were the Bible scholars, as we're going to see, were totally confused about Jesus being the Messiah. And he even knew they were confused because remember when he posed the question and he said, How can the Messiah, they said, he said, whose son is the Messiah? They said, the son of David. Well, he said, how could he be David's son when David called him Lord? And it said, they weren't able to ask him any more questions. The Bible says that he's going to be called out of Egypt. The Bible says, as we're going to see in just a moment, that he's going to come from Galilee of the Gentiles. The Bible says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. All this stuff is confusing and will not be believed and received except by the grace of God through faith because Christ, our Lord Jesus, fulfilled every bit of it. Notice it says here that he might fulfill the prophecy end of verse 15, Out of Egypt have I called my son. That's probably from Hosea chapter 11. It says this, When Israel was a child, I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Now we know that the nation of Israel was in Egypt for 430 years or so, and they were called out of Egypt, but this is the point, and you'll have to think about this. (laughs) It is significant that the calling of the nation of Israel out of Egypt is only a type for the calling of God's Son out of Egypt. Israel, which is God's progenitorial Son, the progeny, the family of Israel, was a type of God's only begotten Son. That is to say, Israel was brought into existence, and Israel was sustained in history for the sake of for the honor and for the glory of God's only begotten Son. And all of the promises that were made to national Israel were fulfilled in the Messiah. Here's an example right here. That it might be written, out of Israel, out of Egypt rather, have I called my son. It's easy for people to get these things mixed up, for example, All of you are probably familiar with Isaiah 53 about the suffering uh, suffering servant who, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed he shall grow up as a tender child and he'll suffer and all that. Did you know that to this very day the Jewish scholars and Jewish rabbis interpret Isaiah 53 as applying to the nation of Israel? We don't see it that way. We see it as applying to the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered in our behalf. Okay, observation number seven about the miraculous birth of our Lord. According to the prophet Isaiah, I'm sorry, according to the prophet Jeremiah, the promise of the Messiah must be the cause of the death of children, So you're back in Matthew chapter 2 now, Matthew 2. Then Herod, verse 16, when he saw that he was mocked to the wise men, he was exceedingly angry. He sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time when she had diligently inquired of the wise men, verse 17, then was fulfilled. That which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah chapter 31, saying, In Ramah or Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted, because they are all gone. Do you see the Messiah was the cause, his death was the cause of the death of many children. Many died when the Messiah was born, and many have died since the Messiah has been born. Many have died for the sake of the Messiah. Jesus said to his disciples, Matthew chapter 10 and Matthew 24, "'You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. "'Behold, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves.'" Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to their councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. You shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for testimony against them and the Gentiles. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father of the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. So the birth of the Messiah brought about the death, and fulfilled the death of many children. Point number eight. The Messiah must be a Nazarene. He must be from the city. He must be a citizen of Nazareth. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 19. When Herod was dead, an angel of the Lord appeared again to Joseph, in Egypt, and said, it's safe for you to go back home now. Take the young child, verse 20, and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead once sought the young child's life. Watch this now. And he arose, and he took the young child and his mother, and he came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus reigned in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and he dwelt in a city called Nazareth. Why? That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. <laughs> All of these things converging together. By the sovereign providence of God, men doing what they will, and God's will being fulfilled. Now let me tell you something. The fact that Jesus was called Jesus of Nazareth was a real problem for a lot of people. There were doubts about whether Jesus was the Messiah because he was from Nazareth which was a Gentile area. Let me read some passages to you. I'll tell you where they are if you'll just indulge me, and we're almost through with this study for just a few minutes. Let me read to you John's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning in verse 43, when Jesus is calling his disciples. The following day Jesus went into Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, Follow me. Now Philip, was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And what was Nathanael's response? Can any good thing come out of
3: Nazareth?
0: Ain't no prophet born in Nazareth. Boy, what's the matter with you? Don't you know better than that? And... Philip didn't argue with him. He just said, come and see. <laughs> A wise answer. John 1, 43 through 46. Now, in John's Gospel, chapter 7, in the midst of one of the feasts, it says, in the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he's cried out and said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then the evangelist adds this, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that should believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. The Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. In other words, the Spirit of God was given after Jesus' resurrection. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Messiah. But some said... Listen to this now. Some said, shall the Christ, shall the Messiah come out of Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Christ will come of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. You see how confusing it was? And then the... Fellow Nicodemus, you remember him? John chapter 3, he came to Jesus at night, and Jesus said, you must be born again. Well, Nicodemus, we believe, was a true follower of Jesus as the Messiah. And so later, Nicodemus shows up when some of the Jews are having a little meeting about how they're going to entrap Jesus and how they're going to um, kill him, really, murder him. And Nicodemus is there. And so Nicodemus says, now look, does our law judge a man before they hear him? You're talking about killing him. You don't even have any evidence. You don't have anything. And listen to what they said now. I'm reading this from John chapter 7, beginning verse 50. Nicodemus said unto them, he that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, Nicodemus was a Jew and he was a Pharisee, he says, does our law judge any man before it hear him and knows what he's doing? Now listen to their answer to him. They answered and they said to him, Are you also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee there arises no prophet. You see, you see? They were absolutely, totally confounded and confused. Galilee was called Galilee of the Gentiles. All right, let's finish up. Back to Luke's Gospel chapter 2. Back to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. There's so much here that I could teach you all of 2022. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make this a succinct study, and we're going to get through with this study today. God willing, if the Lord impresses me to do otherwise, I will. But at this point, I feel that this will be it. I want you to notice a couple of, to me, obvious things from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. I want you to notice that while all of this was going on, Uh, Joseph moving into the town of Bethlehem because of the tax. And then while they were there, verse 7, Luke chapter 2, verse 7, while they were there, she brought forth, Mary brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger (coughs) because there was no room for them in the inn. And then it says that there were shepherds abiding in the field, verse 8, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly afraid. And the angel said, Fear not, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I'll tell you something about that verse in just a moment. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace and goodwill to men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them, verse 15, into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem, and let's see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary, they found Joseph, and they found the babe You see, this was when he was born, when this happened. But in Matthew 2, that's two years later. And when they had seen it, verse 17, they made known abroad the saying which was told them from the angels concerning this child, and all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, verse 20, for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Now, here's what, here's what I want you to learn. Number one, this is very important. I want you to note that the world knew nothing of the history-changing events that were taking place. The world knew nothing about it. What were they doing? They were going on their merry way at the first coming of Christ, and they're going to be going on their merry way at the second coming of Christ. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says they're going to be eating and drinking and partying and marrying and giving in marriage and opening up new businesses and expanding and doing all of the things. And they knew not, as it was in the days of Noah, they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. They're going to be just doing what they always do. They didn't know anything about what was taking place. The greatest thing in the history of the world was taking place. The Son of God was born in Bethlehem. They didn't know anything about it. Didn't know a thing about it. And we shouldn't expect people to be too concerned about Jesus today. People go through the religious steps. They go to church, and they give money, and they do this and the other because they think (coughs) think that might win them some brownie points in heaven. But there are very few people who are really, truly interested in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and serving him and glorifying him in their lives. They didn't know anything about what was going on, and I say they won't know anything about it, that is second coming. Here's the second thing I want you to note. This is astonishing to me. So poor were Mary and Joseph. They were so poor. We already know the story about there was no room for them in the inn. <laughs> they had no place to stay, not even moderate accommodations. It says there was no room for them in the end in verse 7. But I want you to notice, I don't know what translation each of you... but this is what it says in the King James verse 7. It says, she brought forth her firstborn son and it says, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and she laid him in a manger. You know what that says? It says that Mary had no one to help her at all in the birth process. She had, she herself had no one to help her in the birth process. She was the one who wrapped him in the swaddling clothes. She was the one who put him in the manger. I suppose Joseph was doing what he could. But she had no help whatsoever, no obstetrics, no medical doctors, no nothing. They were so poor... She had to give birth and then take the baby that she gave birth to and wrap him up and take care of him and put him in a manger. And it's brought to mind this passage, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. All right, I'm almost through. Notice in the next place, you remember when God sent out, when Jesus told the story about go out, I've got a wedding, and I want the the house to be full, and remember he had invited, he had certain private invitations, you know, on uh, special stationery, and remember when they got it, they all began to make excuses. Oh, well, you know, I I just got married, and I can't come. I just bought a new business, and I can't come. Please have me excused. And so the father said, look, He said, go out into the highways and hedges, and whoever you find, you invite them in. I want my house to be full. And they went out, and they brought in a multitude, and they came back to him, and they said, you still got room. He said, go out everywhere, wherever you, in every lane, wherever you can find them, bring them in, that my house may be full. Why? This is the wedding of his son. (laughs) He wants his son to be honored. He wants people to be there to celebrate with his son. Who's going to celebrate the birth of his son? There ain't nobody interested. they do it all they they're, they're just going about, and know, hustle and bustle, just like, you know. December, look, I used to be in the clothing business years ago. And if we didn't make it in December and January, we didn't make it. We didn't make it. More business is done in the month of December and January than any other month. Many businesses fall or close up or rise because of this month. It's the most commercial month of all the 12 months and it's supposed to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this, don't ever come to my birthday party and give presents to one another. I'll throw you out. (laughs) Oh, I know we make excuses. Well, it's all about giving, Brother Sassa. We learn to give. Yeah. I tell you, my friends, the world is not interested in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not interested. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you are. On the day after the 25th, it's really something, quite a testimony. (laughs) I feel like saying to you what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, it is your father's good pleasure, little flock, to give unto you the things of the kingdom. Now watch this. God's going to provide himself a choir. Chapter 2 of Luke, verse 8 Chapter 2, verse 8, there were in the same country shepherds, the poorest of the poor, out in their field. Let me ask you a question Are there any shepherds in the field in Israel in December? No. It's too cold. Already put up the sheep. Christ was not born in December, my friends. The very latest he's born is in the fall of the year, the early fall. He was not born in December. I told you, in 336 A.D., the Roman Catholic Church established December the 25th, and why they selected that, except it, it was related to the winter soldiers, but notice here, they were in the same country as shepherds abiding in the field, I have to let you go, <laughs> abiding in the field, watching over their flock by night, and the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly afraid, and the angel said, don't. Don't be afraid. That's our message. First of all, do not be afraid. I bring you good tidings, good tidings, the gospel, good tidings, great joy. God won't hold you accountable for any of your sins if you'll worship his son. Is that not good news? God will pass by all of your transgressions and your iniquities, well, I remember no more. I will hide them in the depths of the sea, and I'll post a sign that says no fishing. I'll separate them as far as the east is from the west. Now, you know, the, the earth has a north pole and a south pole, but you can't find a west pole and an east pole. <laughs> and I'll separate them as far as the east is from the west. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Well, let me go on. Under you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord, this will be the sign. You'll find him lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And suddenly, verse 13, with that announcement, suddenly God provided himself a choir for the singing the praises of his Son. There was a multitude of the heavenly host singing, Praise God, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. Now, I'm not picking here. I just want you to, what I'm about to tell you, I want you to research this yourself. This phrase, on earth peace and goodwill toward men, I can show you a passage in the Bible where Jesus said to his disciples, do you think I have come to bring peace on the earth? I tell you no. I have not come to bring peace on the earth. I'm going to bring division People are going to be divided in the family. There are going to be some people in the family that believe and some that don't. Wherever Christ went, he caused division. What this verse says is this. The English Standard Version translates it this way. Peace on earth to those with whom he is pleased. The International Standard Version uh, translates it this way. Peace on earth to those who enjoy his favor. The New Revised Standard Version translates it this way, Peace on earth among those whom he favors. The New American Standard translates it this way, Peace on earth among men with whom he is pleased. My dear friends, God is pleased with those who are pleased with his Son. And if you're not pleased with his Son, all you have to do is read the last verse few verses of John 3, verse 36. The famous John three sixteen chapter ends with those who do not believe on his son, those who do not receive his son, those who will not worship his son, those who will not have his son to rule over them, the wrath of God abides upon them. But God is pleased with all who are pleased with his son. And the message to those whom the angels were sent was fear not. Last observation here, verse 11. Verse 11. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, here's what this verse says. This verse says you don't make Jesus Lord. This verse says he was born Lord. Is that right or wrong? Yes. This, this verse says he was born Savior and he was born Lord. Most ridiculous thing I've ever heard is making Jesus Lord. You can't make Jesus anything. God made him Lord before the foundation of the world, and when he was born, it says he was born Lord. That's what it says. Lord and Lord, a savior, Christ the Lord. Our Lord Jesus Christ is indeed a miracle. He had an amazing birth, and there are many, many other such things as we've studied this morning. But here's the most important thing for me. Most important thing for me is, I believe that he was born for me. Was he born for you? Well, how do you know, Brother said, Well, if you believe on him, if you come to him, if you confess him, whosoever shall confess the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in his heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. May the Lord add his blessings to the teaching and preaching of his word. Let's stand together. I want to thank all of you for coming out today. I hope you've learned something, and I hope you see something of the amazing birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. The most important way to end this old year is by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing Him. If you haven't done that, I invite you to come to Him, to fall down and worship Him in your heart, and to confess Him. For He indeed is Lord. He was born Lord. He was born Lord. May the Lord add His blessings on the teaching of His Word. All right, so... Let's sing under the blood of Jesus.
3: Under the blood
0: may the blood of the everlasting covenant make you perfect in every good work, working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray, we ask it for his sake. Amen. Amen. And it is me.